This is Fix It. I'm Kevin. And I'm Nishant. Today, we're fixing how you read the news with Nick Hobbs, founder of Brief, an ad-free, distraction-free, sensationalization-free news service that keeps you effortlessly up to date on the day's most important issues. Like me, Nick is a zoogler. If you're wondering what the hell that means, it's Silicon Valley speak for former Googler. He started his career there as the first product manager on the company's self-driving car effort. Concerned about the future of democracy, the quality of our public discourse, and the health of the internet's information ecosystem, he left Google in 2018 to do his part to fix the many pressing problems the tech industry created. As the Fixer community knows, we share a lot of Nick's concerns and passions. We're thrilled to have him on the show. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really important conversation, and I'm excited to dive in. Fantastic, as are we. So let's let's start with just an overview of the problem for our listeners. What's going on with the news today, and and what's what's there to fix? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Really, it, it brief. We're trying to fix our broken news and information ecosystem, and to make that a little uh, more down to earth for everybody who's listening right now. There's probably been some time in the last year where you have woken up and known you should check the news. It, really important things are happening. There's a global pandemic. There's a, a, a movement for social justice. There's probably the most co- consequential presidential election in our lives. And in that moment, you just couldn't do it. You are just too overwhelmed, too maxed out. And, and you're not alone. Actually, more than, more than half of Americans say they have taken active steps to avoid the news. And um, it's, it's not your fault, uh, really, much like climate change, there's this really big ecosystem of problems um, with international actors, including foreign governments and really powerful corporations, all trying to get information to you in one specific type of way that just happens to be very stressful. So that's what we're trying to solve. We're trying to, to move past this really uh, polluted and, and toxic uh, information ecosystem. And I think along the way, we can help a lot of people lead happier, less stressful lives um, by improving their relationship with the news. So Nick, you mentioned some problems ranging from Putin and Russia <laughs> and other international actors to just our lack of attention span to reading the news in some cases. Can you talk more about what specific barriers you think are complicating our ability to solve this issue? Yeah, so I think really at the core of it, there is one specific problem, and there are a bunch of barriers that have kept us from solving that problem. The one specific problem is that all of the incentives are to create content that is super engaging, right? That just keeps you skimming and scanning along the surface of your news timeline, of your news feed, for as long as it is humanly possible. And that is now the incentive for the vast majority of newsrooms. It's the incentive for the vast majority of social networks. If you look at my former employer, when you're making a product like Google News, like <laughs> the metrics that they wanna wanna increase are you know time uh, time in app. Um, and so the the core of the problem is really just all of our our information is now being created to be engaging and not to solve the problem that the person looking for the information is trying to, to solve. So that's the core of the problem. And then why it hasn't changed on other barriers to, to solving this problem, um, honestly, it's not super surprising to me that this hasn't been solved yet. Um, I think we forget just how fast this problem has arisen. So when I went off to college in 2007, 
the idea of like my Facebook newsfeed as a news source, I would have looked at you like you were high, right? Um, and now more than half of Americans, that, that is a source of news for them, right? Um, and that's happened in, in about the span of a decade. Similarly, if you look at, at traditional news organizations, in the last 10 years, they've seen their revenues from advertising fall by like 80%. And my God, if, if you have ever experienced a company <laughs> where revenue is falling that fast, it's just like, how are you supposed to fix problems when you're just trying to keep people and so I think the first problem is just that things have, have changed really, really fast. And so that means it's, it's taken us a while to get our feet under us. And I, I blame no one for the fact that this problem isn't solved yet. The second thing is that there are just really, really powerful incentives to keep the status quo. That, you know, some of the most profitable companies in the world are incredibly profitable because they're able to monetize your attention. And the truth is that uh, if you are an American uh, and you use Facebook, you are more valuable to Facebook than Facebook is to you. The reason that Facebook doesn't have a paid product is primarily because they can make more money off of advertising than they could ask you to pay. And what that means is that there's this, uh, there's a, a lot of people who are working very, very hard to keep you in a world where information is about attention and engagement instead of about um, informing you, which is what you, you really want at the end of the day. Um, and so I'd say those are kind of the two barriers that are keeping us from solving the core problems. The core problem um, is that every piece of content is now created to be engaging. And that's really emerged because we've seen this hyperspeed change to information moving online. And now there are really, really powerful financial incentives to keep people in this in this That makes perfect sense, Nick. And it does seem that when you follow the money, it's very clear what's causing these these companies to prioritize your eyes being on their news over what's going into your brain and keeping you an engaged citizen. So to that end, what are you doing at Brief that's different? And specifically, how do you think about changing the incentives, both for your company as well as for the readership that you hope to target? Yeah, so we think that you can fix news by making a product better. And that sounds really, really lame. <laughs> and so I'm going to explain why we believe that and uh, hopefully bring you around. So. One really similar experience uh, that you can look at is the music industry. So if you, uh, you know, again, rewind about a decade, artists were going through the exact same revenue cliff that newsrooms are right now. And one thing that I think we really forget is the core of the problem there was not what tracks artists were making. It wasn't that concerts started sucking. It was really one thing. It's that labels were trying to sell people albums and nobody wanted to buy albums anymore. Right. In a post-internet world, like it was just it was not only less expensive to steal music, it was a better experience, right? <laughs> like I could choose to go to a, a record store, get a shrink wrap CD with most of the tracks I didn't care about, or I could go steal it, right? And lo and behold, a bunch of people weren't uh, weren't so virtuous as to say that like I am going to pay extra for a bad experience. And thankfully, uh, what happened in the news industry, or sorry, what happened in the music industry is they, they were able to create a better experience for paid products again, right? They were able to create the iPod and iTunes, and from there, the rest is history, right? Like, it went again back into this world where uh, in order to get the best music experience, you just pay for it. And we think the same problem has happened with news, that, that the truth is that, um, like, when we uh, started Brief, we went and talked to a bunch of college students to try to figure out, like, why aren't you paying for news? And they were just utterly confused about paywalls. Right? They're like, I can get five articles for free, but then the sixth one cost me $15. And like, you know, if I just go into incognito mode, then, then it isn't worth paying for. But if I use a regular browser, it is. <laughs> and, and I understand absolutely why we ended up in this state. 
like every every newsroom on the planet, I think, has actually done the right things to keep their business alive. Uh, but it's it's put us in this kind of local minimum. And what we see at Brief is there's a different different product that you can build that isn't connected to social media and thus doesn't need to uh, sensationalize, use your attention. And that if we can get traction there, we can basically rework the news in this whole new direction of a different value proposition. And so, so that's what we think is that if you can make an experience that does what news does well, uniquely well, which is inform you about the things that are important to you in the world and get more people paying and we can get more people making news in that format and uh, we can uh, rebuild the world. And so I think what that means is in about 10 years, we imagine a world where 0% of people are getting news from Facebook and about 80% of people are paying for the news. And that doesn't seem that, that wild, that out of whack because if you look at something like Amazon Prime, uh, over the span of about a decade, Amazon was able to get 80% of US households to pay $100 a year, actually now more than $100 a year, just because they were able to build a better retail experience. And we think the same thing can happen for news and information. And if you were able to do that, we would have a way more healthy news ecosystem. And so when we think about the success of something like Amazon in changing that retail experience, I immediately have things like convenience and availability come to mind. And so right now it seems as though Facebook is that convenient way to get news and to have a, the sort of content I want, which is unfortunately usually emotional, sensationalistic. How do you combat that very real human psychology of just seeking whatever's easiest and most emotional? Yeah, so I think I really like your example of Amazon had to move people from an existing behavior to a new behavior. And if you think about it, actually early on, there were, there were all kinds of incredible barriers that made Amazon building a better experience just way harder, right? Like everybody was already going to the grocery store, to the mall several times a week, right? They, they had invested in you know cars that are incredibly expensive to support that lifestyle, right? And Amazon was trying to ship you books in two weeks, right? And, and if you looked at it at that point, it would look like obviously like this is kind of niche, right? Like making a better online retail experience is gonna be pretty hard, right? Like people are pretty happy with malls, malls are great, right? And I think the same thing is happening when you look at something like Facebook. So we definitely have very established behaviors that say, I'm gonna go check Facebook all the time, right? And we do have like, uh, there are um, things that they've built that are very addictive, right? Um, where it, uh, you know, you get a, a good hit of endorphin with that like crazy sensational headline. But there is a core need that every human has had for all of time. And the reason why news has always been an industry is that people actually do need good information to live their lives. And I think particularly in Silicon Valley, we can get really cynical about this. We're like, people don't care about that. What they really want is trash. Everybody, everybody doesn't want news, they just want soap operas. Uh, one of my favorite counterpoints to this is a really rigorous study that MIT did. And they were actually <laughs> trying to figure out a solution to the old monopoly problem of the fact that we regulate uh, antitrust based on consumer surplus. Like what is, what is the value of the service? And when you, when you don't pay for it, it's really hard to tell. So they did a bunch of studies to try to figure out how much would everybody uh, pay to keep these services in their lives to try to figure out how much are they worth. So how much would I have to pay you to stop using Facebook? How much would I pay you, have to pay you to stop streaming video? And what they found is to get people to stop using all of social media, you have to pay them about $300 a year, which is not nothing, that's like a lot. Streaming video is a little bit more, that's about uh, $1,100 a year. And the, the granddaddy of them all was uh, search engines. And to get people to stop using search engines, you have to pay them $17,000 a year, right? 
And what that means is like, even though we like to be really cynical about it, there is tons of perceived value in high quality, accurate information. And I actually think that's what most people want from their news. And so what we do is we take that insight that like what we really want as consumers is to understand the important things and move on as quickly as possible. And we build towards that experience. And that does mean that you have to be like meet people where they are. And that does mean like, for example, the news has to be easy to consume, right? Like it has to be relatively short. We have to try so hard to build experiences that make it easy to understand things in less than 30 seconds um, instead of instead of just assuming that you're going to read an 1800 word. And that's incumbent on us. But I think if we can do that, if we can be the most efficient place in the world for you to understand the things that really matter to you, then we're going to be able to beat the existing incumbents because that's that's the core job to be done. And so just like Amazon over time was able to chip away at the, the incumbent advantages and change behavior by offering a better experience of, of what retail should be, which is like getting the things you want as quickly as you can, we're going to, we think we can do the same thing by saying, get the information and understanding you want as quickly as you can. We think that will drive people to, to a new destination and a new place to get information. Well, Nick, I think this is an incredibly needed endeavor. Thank you for taking it on. And for our Fix-It community, is Brief ready to go? Is there something they can get their hands on? Or is this coming out in a couple months? What's the expectations there? Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, it's live right now. If you go to briefbeta.com, you can get started and I would encourage you to do that. And the other thing that we've found that has been just truly heartwarming is a bunch of people will, will try Brief, they'll love it. And then there'll be someone in their life that is like constantly ha- going through news rage. Um, and they'll, they'll recommend that they've tried to. And so I would encourage everyone to do, to do that. I, I really do think that like, you're going to be happier. You're going to be better informed uh, if you give it a try. Well, you heard it here, fixers. End your news rage. Try brief. And thank you again, Nick, for joining the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Big thanks to Nick again for joining us and thank you Fixers for tuning in. Be sure to let us know if you're solving any interesting problems in your neck of the woods. Use hashtag Fixer and tweet at us at fix underscore cast. Be sure to spread the word. Be sure to see you next time. Take care Fixers.